0: Our first story is when you couldn't make up if you tried. A Christian in the porn business, Greg Deishley, known to some as porn star Randy Spears, takes us on his journey to redemption. That's the name of his book. Do people still recognize you?
1: You know, I'm getting older now, so I think I'm a little less recognizable. Um, I still have people that come up to me all the time and say, hey, you know, I saw your story or, you know, I've read your book or, you know, i was a big fan or you know whatever and um it's it still happens it kind of amazes me actually because you know time marches on you know right
0: i know Yeah. yeah Where do we begin? Do you take us from the very beginning all the way through your story and how you wound up in the adult film industry?
1: Yeah, I guess I guess we could could give you the cliff notes on that. So <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not boring I mean, people to death. Yeah, I don't
0: think your story is boring. I really, you've got to be kidding me. I think it's fascinating. I mean, how did you end up? How did you end up there?
1: Yeah, if it was quite a journey when i moved out to los angeles i was a, a young actor i was there one week and i got a job in a movie called critters part two <laughs> and i was like wow well, well this isn't so difficult you know i'm a working actor and i i kept getting uh, jobs, after-school specials, if you remember those. Uh, did oh, a lot, yeah. A lot of stuff like that. And then there was a writer strike that hit, and everything shut down. Caterers, uh, wardrobe people, everybody was out of work. So, what year was uh, this? this was like 80. Um,
0: so in the 80s.
1: In late 80s, yeah.
0: And how old were you?
1: Uh, I was twenty ish something like that 26 yeah young and green um so then i just i i answered a i was doing a modeling job and the makeup artist said to me you're good looking young man you got a great body if you ever want to do some nude work take my card and call me and i I was nice and said, oh, thank you very much. But I was thinking that would be the end of my career, you know. But the writer's strike kept going, and I got hungry. And I made that fateful phone call. And she hooked me up with some people that did adult movies, and I showed up on set. And I did my first movie, and I went home with $400 cash. And I was like, wow, that was kind of (laughs) easy. And the girls were cute. You know, it felt good and all that. But um, the, the biggest thing was word started to spread quickly that I could act also and perform. So my phone just started ringing and the money was just too good to turn down. So I kept kept going, kept doing it. Pretty soon I'm winning awards and I got famous in the porn business.
0: What I'm trying to remember what kind of awards they give out. What's the name? Do you remember the names?
1: Yeah, well, we They're did. funny. Yeah, I mean they're they're some of more ridiculous, you know, but I I would win like the acting awards, like best actor yeah, they put me in the Hall of Fame.
0: No, but the awards, like we have the Oscars, what are they called?
1: Yeah, they were called the AVN Awards, adult, adult Video News Awards. It was a magazine that covered everything in the adult film business. And then they started to do their own awards ceremony. And it turned into a gigantic thing. It was like our Oscars, you know, red carpet, the whole deal, you know. And it was... Uh, you know that that was the heyday of, of the adult business. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we would have real movie stars, you know, coming to our award show, and you know it was it was a big deal. And um, we had a lot of fun too, you know, I mean, people snapping photos of you, waiting in line for your autograph. it was it was crazy, really? yeah, just absolutely you, crazy.
0: You had no inhibitions. I mean, none about literally performing on cue.
1: Once I got in there and got established, no. I I became really good at it. And professional also, you know. The girls liked me. I respected them. I took care of them. And, you know, the producers and the money guys and the directors all liked me because I was, you know, I was all business you know i took care of business on budget knew my lines you know stuff like that it was all very important there was a lot of money on the line so but yeah inhibitions no i mean there were certain things that i set as rules that i would not do you know no uh B and D or sadomasochism type stuff. Just, but I couldn't have done that stuff if I wanted to. It just wasn't in my blood, you know.
0: Were you able to have a family? I mean, you said you have a son. I, I, was that difficult for you? Uh,
1: it was very difficult. Uh, I met my wife, the mother of my kids, in the business, and um, we ended up getting married, and. You know, it was, It was doomed from the beginning. I've never known anybody in that business who had a successful, healthy marriage, you know, doing what we were doing. Um, All kinds of pitfalls and traps, you know, emotionally and stuff like that. So, but yeah, we had two kids. We got out of the business for a little while to try and, you know, live live a normal life. And we ended up coming back because the money was the trap, you know, it's just such good money so um but yeah difficult to have a family and have some sense of normalcy you know it's a crazy world
0: tell what did you tell your kids
1: well they just knew dad was an actor until they got old enough that i could sit them down and say this is this is the kind of acting that i do you know you don't want to tell a five-year-old or a six-year-old that stuff you know so yeah.
0: Did the AIDS crisis affect you?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, AIDS started becoming prevalent, to the credit of some people, especially Sharon Mitchell in our in our business. They set up healthcare clinic, and we all started getting tested. You had to get your blood drawn and be tested before you were allowed to work and we had to do that every month i did it every month for years and years and years so we did the best we could but you know there was still absolute danger i mean you can work with a girl and that night she's you know out on the town doing who knows what with who you know right and she doesn't have to take another test for 28 days so she's still working in the meantime you know so i i knew some people that passed away sadly uh of aids and um it definitely affected our business then suddenly the the companies the big companies got real nervous and liability was in the back of their mind so we went to all condoms the big companies vivid wicked Um, Adam and Eve, uh, it was condom mandatory. Okay. And, um, so another stage of precautions were going on. We, a lot of guys dropped out of the business at that point because they just couldn't work with a condom. And, um, but yeah, we did the best we could to be safe. I tried to work with only people that I really knew well and knew a little bit about their personal lives, you know, stuff like that. So
0: you know, everything you hear about this business is it's slim, it's sleazy and people get ripped off and is that the smaller I mean you say you work with some of the bigger companies. What I mean, did you feel that you were treated well?
1: Yes, I was treated well. The movies sets I was on, the big budget movies for the big companies, you know, they catered lunches, meals on set. You know, it was these were big productions you know, and the girls were treated very well. Most, most of the girls later on in my career were under contract to these companies. So they took care of them. They were, uh, they were their commodity, you know? Mm. So, but there was no doubt about it that, you know, there's was sleazy companies, sleazy people that, you know, try to take advantage of people and, stuff like that, a lot of drugs, you know, going around and stuff like that. But, but yeah, for the most part, uh, I was treated very well. Yeah. With respect.
0: What was the turning point for you? I mean, the name of your book is redemption. So something happened. (laughs) What, what happened? Yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, it was later in my career and I was getting older. Um, and I, it's all that I knew how it became a point where it's all that I knew how to make money. And I started to feel trapped. And what am I gonna do with the rest of my life? There's gotta be, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel here. And my choice was become a director, which I did, and a producer, which I did. But then it's like, am I gonna do this when I'm 65? am I going to keep doing this for the rest of my life? The girls seemed younger to me, you know. How
0: many years in were you at this point?
1: Uh, 20, 21. Yeah. You
0: really hung in there. Oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah. And there was a a day I was on the set, and um, I was to work with this girl, and she's in the makeup chair, and I went over and introduced myself to her. She looked like she was 12 years old. I said, How old are you? She goes, Today's my birthday, my 18th birthday. Oh. And I went, I went, oh, Okay. Yeah, I'm, I really, and I, I I, have always uh, been a man of faith. It, that kind of blows people's minds. Um, how could you be a Christian and be in the porn business? Well, I was. And, um, I remember getting in my car after that day and I started to drive home and I just started to weep uncontrollably. I pulled my car over. I couldn't even see. I was crying so hard. And I just cried out to God, please help me get me out of this. Give me some direction. Please forgive me for my sins. And I felt him say to me, I've, I've, I've got plans for you. Stop, and I'll take care of you. And I did. It was a very dramatic turning point. And that was it. I quit. And I went to Phoenix, Arizona to take care of my brother who had just had terrible back surgery. And I stayed there for a year. And when he was better and could take care of himself, I moved to Texas to be close to my my kids. I didn't know anybody here. And I didn't have a job. And I was literally on a wing and a prayer. And things just fell into place when I got here and I. Got a good job and everything changed. <laughs> everything changed. So my daughter and my son lived here with their mother, and I got to be close to my kids, and it, it's been amazing how things have fallen into place now. So,
0: are, are do you still have? Do you have a, a decent relationship with your with your ex wife?
1: Oh yeah, we're friends. That's awesome. Yep. I mean that is key, yeah. right? Oh, absolutely. And there there was there was a point where you know we were both wishing the other person would be hit by a train. I'm sure you know?
2: right?
1: yeah. yeah. I mean it was terrible, you know, but um amazing, you know, we've healed our healed ourselves, healed our relationship to each other, and um you know it's it's wonderful, you yeah. know.
0: So I mean, you're uh, you're you're comfortable going out? Are you comfortable doing a book signing? Um, you know.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. No yeah. problem. No problem. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> the interesting thing is, is that um, you know, my my story can appeal to many different types of people. There's the Christian angle, you know. There's the porn fan angle, you know, because I was pretty famous, you know, Uh, and, and I don't know, just the, the human nature side of it, I guess, but I don't know, I just I finished the book. And I was like, Well, let's, let's see what pops up. Let's see what happens. Maybe somebody will cross paths with me that, you know, can help me get out there, you know, I have spoken at a few churches, and and it's been really fascinating. People, this is really interesting. I think that you you'll be interested to hear this. So I was looking for a church when I got here, and I went to a couple, and you know, church shopping, you know. Yeah. So I end I end up at at this church over here by me, and I sit in the back, and I'm like, okay, this is. You know, no snake handling going on. No, you know, craziness happening. So I went back the next week and I sat a little closer to the stage. And then the next week I sat a little closer. And then (laughs) I feel you got to be careful when you say you you hear God from God. You know, people start going, I know people think you're nuts.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This
1: guy's crazy. You know, what's next? The mothership's going to land in the football field. You know, and he's getting on board. So, but I heard in my spirit, I'll put it that way, go tell the pastor your story. And I was like, wait a second here. That's got to be coming from some crazy left field there. No, I'm not doing that. The next week I went back, I heard it again. So I went up to my pastor after the service and I told him my story and his jaw was on the floor. And he goes, would you come with me? And I, wanna, I wanna, wanna introduce you to the assistant pastor. And so we did. And they said, would you be interested in letting us film your testimony and playing it for our church on the big screens Because this is an amazing story of God changing someone's life. And we're doing a series called idols and porn was an idol for you. And I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, I'll, I'll do it. So they shot this very professionally, edited it really nicely. And they played my testimony on these giant screens in front of all three services. It's going to make me cry just talking about it. All three services, I got standing ovation after the video ended, and pastor pulled me up on the stage, and I sat there in a chair next to him, and he interviewed me. And the support and love from the congregation was unbelievable. The amount of people that came up to me and said, my, "My my husband is struggling with pornography. We're going through a divorce because of it. You know, do you have any advice?" It was unbelievable. All these people—how many people were affected and are affected by pornography?
0: Yes, it's
1: really astonishing.
0: It is astonishing. So great. I mean, what does that tell you? I, and nobody bought your book after
1: that. Yeah, well, people are buying it. Yeah. Um, it, it's, you know, I always think, boy, if I could get on the Joe Rogan podcast.
0: Oh, I love him <laughs> so much. And he's right there. He's right there in Austin. I know. And and he's not hard to find.
1: Well, there's a, there's a website, that, but it's very generic. You type in your name. Right. You give a brief description of why you want to be on the show. You know, that's like putting a headshot through elite modeling. Eh, you know, it's just eh. going to be put in a freaking stack. I don't know. You Wish don't know. I knew you don't people know. That knew him. Well, well, that's true. That's true.
0: Where Where are you? You're in Houston. So how far are you from Austin?
1: Yeah, I'm about two and a half, two and a half hours. All right. So
0: you know that he's opened a comedy club, right, in Austin? Yes, get to that yes. comedy
1: club. Greg, you know, I should do it. I should just drive down there.
0: Drive go to the down club there.
1: Yes, and say hey, I- hang
0: out. Start talking to people. I have a feeling you're very good at that. I have a feeling you're not a shy guy.
1: No, I'm not. I'm not shy. No. Yeah,
0: that's a great idea. Do right? it. Oh, my God. Do yeah. it.
1: Do it. It's a great idea. He might even
0: be there. Exactly. I I mean, he talks about his comedy club all the time. All of his friends are performing there. I'd give anything to go down there. That is on my list of things to do.
1: Maybe you should come Uh, and. Yeah, we'll we'll go go together. together.
0: (laughs) It'll be great. (laughs) Yes. I would love that because he is. I just think he's the great. I love his podcast. Absolutely love it. Me and 300 million other people.
1: It's such a diverse. uh, Yes. One day he's talking to Michio Kaku, a theoretical physicist, yeah. and the next day he's, you know, he's talking uh, about UFOs with Neil deGrasse yes. Tyson. You know, I, I mean, it's yeah. amazing. And nobody ever interviews the men from the porn business. No, it's always the girls. They always okay. You know, who, the, like vice who is- TV? Who was is, who is the ahead.
0: most famous porn star in the 80s? What was her name? Anyway, I was I was at WISP in Philadelphia, so it was the 80s. And she was in my studio. The sales department, they were just like, oh, my God. Yeah, Everybody <laughs> standing around. And I was, like, really young. I didn't know what to even ask her. I was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe this.
1: Yeah. Oh. Marilyn Chambers. Marilyn
0: Chambers. That's who it was.
1: That's it. That's who it was. Yeah. Yep. And I knew Mar- I knew Marilyn. Yeah. She was a
0: doll. She was the nicest she was. person. But I was yep. I mean super you, sweet. You can't help but be fascinated by the industry, by the people in the industry. I I mean, you just assume with women that there's something amiss that they would want to get into this. Yeah. That they, you know, they might, they must have self-esteem problems. And you're right. Nobody talks about the men. Did you know Ron Jeremy?
1: Very well.
0: How pathetic.
1: What what a a horrible end to a life that is. What happened? My God. He, he just started going crazy and started just nobody would work with him anymore and um he started getting grabby and very aggressive and all of a sudden all these girls came out of the woodwork and said he raped me in the bathroom or he pushed me in the corner of the club and put his fingers inside me and all these women started coming forward and the da said that's enough for me and they put together this case and there were like 17 counts of rape. Um, oh. And he is, that he had a heart attack. Right. And And then the trial continued and they put him away for like 30 years. He's going to die in there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And I mean, I don't know. Was he, did he love what he did? I mean, do people love what they do in this industry?
1: He loved what he did. Yeah, he he absolutely loved the stardom. He yeah, he he lived and breathed it, you know, where most of us would, you know, we we'd hang that on the hook when we walked in our door at home. You know, there were there were two of me. There was Randy Spears and there was Greg Deishley. And I always used to tell people in interviews, Randy Spears was the greatest character I ever invented as an actor. Yeah. You know, lots of me is in that guy, of course, but they're two, two separate people, you know, I, yeah. I would get off the set. And, uh, the last thing I wanted to do is go to an orgy, you know, good grief. You know, I wanted to go home and make a steak dinner and watch football and be normal, you know?
0: Right. Did you ever get to do, like, theater and the kind of acting that you had set out to do when you were 25?
1: I did, yeah. I did some theater. Um, I actually, I think the last theatrical performance I did was at Rutgers University.
0: And right here in Jersey? Yes.
1: Yeah. It was...
0: Oh, what'd you do? It was Pippin. Oh, I love Pippin. It was
1: a great show, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was such a great show. It was so fun. And but yeah, and I got to do a lot of TV work and some movie stuff. And um, you know, I loved acting. I loved it. And I somebody came up to me one time at one of the AVN shows a a fan. Uh, he said, Randy, do you know and realize that you have more on screen time than any actor in Hollywood history? And I went. I never thought of that, but yeah, I guess I do. You know, it's just wow. kind of bizarre. You know,
0: wow, yeah. really interesting stuff. You'd be great on a talk show. It's gonna be. You're gonna be fine. I just have a feeling you're gonna be fine. You're probably gonna go to Austin. I am gonna go. I'll to listen Austin. to you when you're when you're on Joe Rogan. I wish I could come down because that would be so much fun.
1: If I but- if I get booked. On that show. You want to go with me? Okay, Sure. I would invite you to come.
0: All right. Keep my number.
1: Okay. I will.
0: I I might have to bring my husband. He might, you know. Yeah, of course. Bring him. He would love your story too, though. He would. He would absolutely be fascinated by it as well. I mean yeah uh, it's a good one
1: yeah go
0: for it greg you can do this i
1: appreciate you saying that sometimes i need a little nudge you know I,
0: yeah don't we all we
1: get in our little routine and it's safe yep. you know little safe yep. spot you know
0: mm-hmm. yeah now come on you only live once let's go that's let's true and i ain't
1: getting any younger i turned 62 yeah. in two weeks
0: you go but two weeks. You're a Gemini. Yes. What's your date? What date? Well,
1: June 18th is my birthday.
0: Uh, <laughs> I'm June 12th. Are you?
1: Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Us Gemini's. All right.
0: Yeah. I know, right? Mm-hmm. We're freaking basket cases. We, we're up, we're down, we're in, we're out. I know.
1: <gasps> we're smart <laughs> and we have big hearts though.
0: That's right, yeah, damn it. That's right. You got that. Yeah. Uh Greg, thank you so
1: much. Well, thank All you. I'm really, really glad we got to speak.
0: Me too. All right. You got to love the name of this next book, Leggy Peggy, a writing experience that was completely different for sisters Gail Richardson and Paula K. Richardson. Hi. Do we have Gail and Paula here? We do. Nice. Have you guys always written together? What made you decide that you were going to write a book
2: together? You know, um, Gail and I have both been analytical most of our work life, and we wanted to do something creative. And we started writing when we were still working. And now that we're both retired, we can do it full time. And we both enjoy it.
3: Yes, we do. Paula comes from the construction and accounting side of business and I come from the aerospace industry. So, you know, we were all left brain for our whole professional life. And it's nice to be productive in our right brain, (laughs) in the creative side. Nice. Well, what inspired Leggy Peggy? That's kind of an interesting thing. I was sitting on my porch, and this centipede scurried across the front porch, and I remember saying, "Look at those legs go." And I called Paula and I told her, "There's a story here about a centipede about a centipede. And, and because, I breathe. and and you did. And actually, in our life experiences, our parents love to dance when we were children, if there were, were in the same room, and there was music on, they were dancing. So Paula and I enrolled in dance class learning tap and freestyle and ballroom. (laughs) And my daughter, Samantha also learned ballet. So dance is something we love. And it is a graceful art form that we appreciate.
0: That's great. So how does is the centipede in the book?
2: It's the protagonist. All right. Well, how does this story shake out? It's a story about Peggy. She's a house centipede. And Clementine, a little girl, who loves to dance. And Peggy watches Clementine practice her dance steps every night. And Peggy decides it looks like fun and she wants to dance too. So she starts to mimic Clementine's moves. But Peggy finds with each dance routine, she has too many legs and her body can't do the dance steps until there is a dance her body can do. And then she's dancing
3: too. Now you'll have to, you'll have to read the book to know which dance is the perfect dance for a centipede.
0: For a centipede. I mean, how many legs do they have?
3: Well, they can, they can have a lot. But this, yeah, is not a, necessarily this is a hundred.
2: house centipede, so it's a smaller version of a centipede. So, you know, they can have, even though centa means 100, they can even have more than 100. Or less than. Or less than, yes. Mm-hmm. it It varies, depending. Mm-hmm.
0: Who's your target audience here?
2: Well, when we first started writing the book... We had targeted ages three to seven. Now that the book is out, I feel that all ages would enjoy this book. I mean, grandparents, parents, brothers and sisters, babysitters, just to name a few. And what is interesting about Peggy is she is a very likable character.
3: Yes, she is. Uh,
2: She's curious, she's determined, She goes after what she wants. And she has a strong desire to learn something new. Um, She does get frustrated, but she doesn't give up. And finally, she's happy because she succeeded in her quest to dance.
3: And you know what? Paula and I actually identify with Peggy. With writing, Mm -hmm. you you just never give up. You try and try again until you actually get somewhere. And with writing, it's a process. And you take something good, and then you make it better. And then after a lot of discussion and editing, you deliver your best. And sometimes it takes a long time to reap positive results. And we know that. <laughs>
0: yes, that is that is very true. But it sounds like there could be more books. The, the Centipede Can't Stop Here.
3: No, you know what? Oh, you mean a uh, continuation, a series of centipede books? I don't
0: know. It sounds like it's got some more dancing in her. I don't know. That's just what I'm gathering from from listening. Well, to we
3: we have moved on. We have moved on. Uh, we do have another book in progress. And it's due out this year. And the title is Persnickety Pernella. And it centers around mixed up sock day at school and how Pernella Perkins turns a mix up into a matchup. So again, you need to purchase the book when it's available to find out just how persnickety Pernella can be.
0: Okay, so let me ask you this. You must have access to children somewhere.
3: We've just had one um, book signing. Okay. And most of the people that were at that signing, wouldn't you agree, Paula, were grandparents? Yes. that, That were shopping for their grandkids because they wanted something fresh and new for their grandchildren. But, you know, we just came out later, you know, in the last quarter of last year. So, you know, we're, we're new, we're unknown. So we're kind of learning the ropes right now. But um, we've had positive reviews on the book. Uh, people seem to like it. Uh, Leggy Piggy is only 554 words long from start to finish. So it's the perfect length to lull a child into dreamland, especially when a tired parent is doing the reading. But the constraints of word count and children's literature is is challenging because attention spans are so short. They're just so short. Do you live pretty close together?
0: We used to. Not
2: anymore. Not anymore. (laughs) We used to both live in La Mesa, but now I'm in Idaho and Gail's in Missouri.
0: Well, maybe you should you know, the local paper in La Mesa, is that where you guys grew up? Do people know you there? Yeah. So because the fact that your sister's writing children's books, that's a news hook right there. I would call the local papers and say, hey, we wrote this book. And if that's where you grew up, and that's where people know you, and then obviously, in your individual communities, you know, it's interesting that sisters retired, Got sick of the left brain work. Decided to go right brain, and they here we are now. They're children's authors, and then short of that, I'd go to my local library and say, "Hey, I want to read to. I'd like to read my book. You know, if you've got kids coming in for summer reading programs, you know, or even do an author talk. You know, come in and talk about. That's
3: interesting
0: that sisters are
3: writing books. Well, we love it. We do. We absolutely love it. And we both graduated from the Institute of Children's Literature. And ever since that happened, it's been a goal of ours to write. So they say that children learn to read and then they read to learn. So Paul and I are of the opinion that anything that can help children become more successful, we wanna be part of that, we really do. Yeah, so
0: that, I mean, cause you've got a really cute story here. Well, we think so. Good for you.
2: <laughs> Thank you
3: i can't wait to see what you do with the next one (laughs) well we just got our illustrations back and it it's a cutie it's a good story too so
2: well we requested the same illustrator that that did leggy peggy to do persnickety so yeah
0: oh nice we're very
2: pleased great
0: to talk to both of you
3: thanks so much well thank you thanks so much alice we appreciate it too
0: Let's head up to Nova Scotia, where we find Danielle Bootlayer, a lab tech by trade, writer for love, and hero is the name of her first published book. When did you start writing?
4: For a hobby, I started when I was in university. That would be around 2010, 2011. I was in a psychology class, and they recommended writing as a a way to relieve stress. So, of course, I did some cutesy little short stories. Uh, but this this one, what you this novel used to be a short story, and then it evolved into a novel over time. I tried to get it published, probably back in 2014, and I didn't have much luck. And then I went to college, and it sat collecting dust on my laptop. Uh-huh. So during the 2020 lockdown, I rediscovered the file on my computer, and I sent it out to. Po- publication companies for mostly for a review. I wanted the editors to review it and give me feedback. And then of course I got like several offers to get published. (laughs) Wow. So what's the story? What's it about? In a nutshell, it's about a washed up superhero that tells their life story to the son of a supervillain. The original story was actually a firefighter who saves a boy and later the boy grows up and recognizes a homeless person as the man who saved them and then invites him into his house and then the firefighter tells their life story of how they did all these uh, brave and heroic deeds. And then later it gets changed into a superhero. So then I change the dynamic, make it a son of a supervillain. So the son of a supervillain comes across the homeless uh, person and then recognizes who they are. And then they invite him into their office where they tell the whole life story. It's like, you know, childhood and then adolescence and then adult. And at the same time, you know, struggling with, you know, who I am, where did I come from, how did I got these powers. And, and, of course, he exposes uh, weaknesses as, as well in uh, his identity and then the identity of the friends and family.
0: So Johnny's the son of a supervillain. Correct. And the superhero is a woman?
4: Yes. In the original story, it was a man, a male superhero, but I changed it to female to make it more uh, dramatic. Okay. And I have I have a little note here actually. I had a coworker one time, and she she loved superheroes. She loved you know the Spider-Man, Superman, everything. Right. She hated female superheroes like. Wonder Woman and Batgirl because, well, A, they had too perfect, too sexy, too pretty. They didn't have any flaws. They didn't have any, they're almost too perfect. And I sort of wanted to capture that. Like if I made a realistic female superhero, she would have like self-esteem issues and like other, other relatable uh, female issues as well, becomes a more relatable character absolutely the funny part is in the story uh, it's sort of hinted she's sort of ugly if she wears a pair of sunglasses people think she's a male superhero and they'll automatically when you think of superhero automatically you think of a man right so so when people see her it's like oh uh, he's he's a he uh, because only only best superheroes are male and then it turns out no she's female she's a like, you wear a pair of sunglasses, and people will automatically think that she's a guy.
0: <laughs> All right, so she's his hero, right?
4: She saves his life, yes.
0: Yeah, she saves his life. So they get to be very close, and he realizes that she needs protection now, and she needs support.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah. He hears her life story, and it's pretty tragic and terrible, and it's like, oh, my goodness, you're you need more help. Um, again, it goes with uh, re- making it a more relatable superhero. The more relatable ones tend to have tragic backstory.
0: Yes, always, yep.
4: Oh, always. So it learns about the tragic backstory and realizes that she, she needs help.
0: He's the son of a supervillain, though, right?
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a dynamic there. So does that get in the way? It does. Because <laughs> <laughs> now he knows all this Uh, secret information, you kind of wonder, is he going to report back to his father?
0: So this puts him in a very delicate position.
4: Yeah, if you think of like a regular superhero story or a comic or a movie, it mostly falls into science fiction and action. Because the science fiction is that they have incredible powers. And then action, because they're usually fighting someone. Normally, there's some type of love interest. So there's some romance in there as well. And then the drama goes with the uh, superhero's backstory and the history and, like, childhood and in trauma. So it's a little bit of a mix of everything.
0: Nice. So you, you describe this as a science fiction drama action novel with a hint of romance.
4: Yeah, if you think of, like, a regular superhero story or a comic or a movie, it mostly falls into science fiction and action. Because the science fiction is that they have incredible powers. Okay. And then action, because they're usually fighting someone. Okay. Normally, there's some type of love interest, so there's some romance in there as well. And then the drama goes with the uh, superhero's backstory and the history and, like, childhood and then trauma. So it's a little bit of a mix of everything. What kind of superpowers? Oh, well, originally, in when I was creating it, I only wanted two powers, just flight and... Strength. That was when it was a male character, and then changed it to female. I wanted, like, 70% non-lethal um, powers and then, like, 30% lethal. So <laughs> she, she has, uh, like, the ability to walk through walls, x-ray vision, uh, levitation. Um, oh, I love that. She has, like, heat and cold powers, sort of non-lethal about six or eight different powers. The original version um, used to be very violent, and it was adult, and it was about 120,000 words. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and it had, a, it had a different ending as well, uh, but I I shortened it. I made it into a young adult, so it's, like, less violent. Okay. Um, it, so this is the um, sort of user-friendly, people-friendly versions that all all readers over the age of 12 would like. Nice.
0: Do do the people you work with know you wrote a book?
4: Oh, yeah. Have they read it? <laughs> um, I'm having difficulties getting this book distributed in Canada. It's a long, complicated story. But they did order a few copies from Amazon uh, from the Canadian um, distribution side. So yeah, they're starting to starting to read it.
0: You could always do a book signing and let people order it online, right?
4: Oh yeah. Yeah. I was thinking of doing that this fall. Um I'm planning to order a bunch of copies from the dis- a distributor this summer and this and then this fall this fall I'm gonna to go to local libraries, the Halifax Regional Libraries, uh, give out copies to the library and maybe do some meet and greet. I was going to go to the local comic book stores and provide them signed copies, and they'll uh, do promotions as well. There's a small bookstore, the Dartmouth Book Exchange, and I'm going to give them copies and do some signings as well.
0: Ah, that's great. Yeah, I would think comic book stores would love this. Do you have pictures of what the hero looks like, what your characters look like?
4: I have two, actually two different uh, covers. The one is the one currently on the novel is uh like very very similar to her male, you know, persona like what people perceive. Right. Like like in the in the novel, people perceive the superhero as a male, so it's like more of a male character. Right. Uh, I have a second design I might go with in the future where it's sort of um gender neutral. So you, you can either say it's a male or a female, Okay. but of course, in of course, in the uh, uh, the people who uh, who get saved by her see her as a male, and then the people who know her close actually know she's a female, so they can see. I think they see through the disguise, sort of.
0: I I was just curious, like what their costumes look like.
4: Oh oh, costume. She's quite depressed. It's mostly like blacks and grays, almost like Batman. But it's more, uh, wears sunglasses, dark sunglasses to hide her identity. And then she wears like a a long trench coat, almost like, uh, if you think of the Matrix in Neo, he wears like a long, dark trench coat. And the back of the trench coat almost looks like a cape.
0: It sounds like you had a lot of fun doing
4: this. Yeah, <laughs> took a long time, but yeah.
0: Next time, next book will it it won't take so long, right? Well, hopefully. So you're going to keep writing.
4: Oh, definitely. Uh, I have several other stories, and I was hoping to get them published. I was hoping, to actually, I mentioned earlier, I have a like an adult version of this story, and it has more villain, It has more villains, and it's more darker. And a little more violent i wouldn't mind getting that published in the future as well if anyone's interested in that version
0: i'm sure they will be yes. all right danielle thanks so much no no worries uh thank you for your call you got it mm-hmm.